This is episode 297. And today I'm going to be highlighting some foods that appear on a regular family shopping list that should absolutely be removed if you're at all interested in weight loss, gut health, disease prevention, making sure family members and kids aren't ruining their brains. And the list of things you might improve by getting rid of these foods could be quite long as it will help to reduce the toxic load in your body that causes inflammation. If you want to cull some foods that have some nasty ingredients that you probably didn't realize, then join me as I make my way around the virtual supermarket and start vegetable oil shaming everything in sight. (laughs) All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And on this episode, I'm going to tear your shopping list to shreds, basically. This episode could be defined as another Maddie Ruins Everything episode. And hey, it's what I do best. But don't despair. We also have the answers to all of these problems throughout all of these podcasts. So for every time I ruin something... Don't worry, I also have a good alternative. (laughs) So, as you may or may not know if you're new here, it might be the first time you're hearing this, but in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. And you've probably heard that mantra, that mission statement vary over the years of the podcast because each year, my mission, I get clearer and clearer on exactly who I want to help and how I want to help them. And so each Each year, you can hear that phrase uttered in a slightly different way and sometimes with a different goal of the number of people too. And so if you identify with being somebody who has internal savage self-talk and it leads to making yourself feel guilty or it leads to binge eating or you've just got issues that lead to emotional eating that you can't control or secret eating or any of that kind of stuff and the voice inside your head is horrible, then please scroll down to the show notes below, click the link to have a conversation with me and we'll just chat about whether or not my programs and services are a good fit for you. And if they are, fantastic. And if they're not, I've probably got a bunch of podcasts that will be more appropriate for you to listen to. So check that out. Anyway, today we're talking about getting rid of these products in your diet, that vegetable oil laden or ridden, if you like. And vegetable oils are toxic. There's no getting around it. And the first place I want to point you in the direction of is episode 164. So episode 164 is, it's literally called the shocking history of vegetable oils. At least that's what it's called at the moment. But episode 164, I go deep on the history of the vegetable oil industry and just blow your mind, basically. Just Maddie ruins everything. You know the deal. <laughs> so I want you to go and check that out after you've listened to this episode to understand why you need to really avoid these foods. But I'll give you a bit of a recap. So veggie oils are not vegetables at all. First thing, there's nothing healthy about them. And the marketing of vegetable oils gives many people the illusion that they're doing something good for their body. It's the same reason that a lot of brands use the word organic as the brand name, not the actual classification of the food, or use the word natural or anything like that, right? Vegetable oil is doing the same thing. It's leveraging your understanding of a word. It's not actual reality. Now, one of the reasons that they're so devastating to the body is that they're really high in polyunsaturated fatty acids. The other thing is the omega-6 fatty acid content of these is really high to get specific on a particular compound in there, is that we consume far too much of this in the Western world. And so the body does actually need omega-6s. There's no doubt about that. 
And many experts say that we need a one-to-one ratio. But the Western diet, at least last time it was measured, we consume about a 15-to-1 ratio of 15 times the amount of omega-6s compared to omega-3s. And omega-3s are really good. And so often we need to go really hard on supplementation for omega-3s because we're so catastrophically out of balance with omega-6s. And omega-6s come from vegetable oils and other things as well. But studies appear to indicate that increased consumption of omega-6s contribute to inflammation and create free radicals and contribute to chronic disease because as we know, all disease and illness has inflammation as a part of it. And also these vegetable oils are easily oxidized. That means that the molecules get damaged in the manufacturing process. So when you heat these oils up, more omega-6s and more polyunsaturated fatty acids become available, which is just increases the problem. And many of these oils are used in the cooking process in the kitchen at home or on the barbecue. And so we're going from an oil that's already been damaged in the heating process, that the manufacture process, because it's been heated, deodorized, colored, changed, affected so many times. So it's already kind of shitty when it goes in the bottle. And then we buy this amazingly golden syrup that's like got all of our hopes and dreams in it. And then we get home and we heat it again and we fuck it up a bit more. And so we want to steer clear, but episode 164 has got a bit of a deep dive. And I just want to go quickly over who the main culprits are in this space. Well, let me introduce you to the hateful eight. Grapeseed oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil, soy oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, rice bran oil, and drumroll canola oil, which is also known as rapeseed oil. I mean, if you need another sign that canola oil is terrible, like, I don't know why you need another sign, basically. (laughs) And one of the best books to go deep on the scientific literature of vegetable oils is one of my favorite health and nutrition books. It's actually one of the ones I found first many years ago, almost 10 years ago. And I still open every now and then and reference now. And it's currently missing from my shelf. Well, it's not missing. An amazing woman named Kayla is borrowing it to read, but it's called Deep Nutrition by Dr. Kate Shanahan. And honestly, I refer to it as a Bible. That's the way I describe it. And I know two of my fellow practitioners, one's a a naturopath and one is a traditional Chinese medical doctor. And I know both of them actually have this book on their desk because it's just such an incredible resource, not just to understand vegetable oils, but all of the health consequences. And they're extremely vast from a lifetime consuming vegetable oils and, you know, women and men having babies after consuming vegetable oil their whole lives. It's just a deep, very well-rounded, amazing book. And honestly, I think it's an incredible resource for anyone to understand. It's not just written for us brainiac nerds over here. I think anybody can read it. All right. So what I want to do today is literally open the website for a couple of major supermarkets, sort of first product that pops up on each of these pages that I wanted to show you the ingredient list of, because it's surprising that some of these foods, and they shouldn't even be called foods, but have vegetable oil in them. It's my belief that these foods should not be in your diet. And if you were my client, I would encourage that all of these be removed, right? These are, you know, once in a while, maybe sometimes foods, not daily. However, our current culture has made many of these things daily foods, which is one of the many reasons you could argue that we're up shit creek without a paddle. All right, I'm going to literally read directly from the ingredient list of these products. Don't worry, I haven't got all nine of these products sitting here on my desk and I'm secretly going to eat them later. (laughs) I'm looking at them on the internet. Okay, number one, we've got bread. 
bread has vegetable oil in it. Hang on, what? Why? And remember, when we read ingredient lists, in Australia at least, the order of ingredients is the order of the volume of the ingredient. So ingredient number one, the largest volume of the ingredient in the food, and the last one on the list is the lowest. So we've got bread. And sure, all breads are going to be different and some don't have vegetable oil, but many of the mainstream bread options on the shelf do. And so ingredient three is canola oil. There's rapeseed oil in your bread. This is one of the major reasons not to have it, not to mention that bread and refined carbohydrates are really not ideal for spiking your blood sugar perpetually all day. But it's ingredient number three on the list, which is terrifying. And many homes buy bread every single day, right? And bread gets consumed just rapidly in the home, especially if you've got kids that are growing. And, you know, bread in its modern 2023 form you know, it's not what we should be feeding kids at all. And there's don't, don't get me wrong, there's definitely bread options out there that you can choose from a bakery or anywhere or some maybe on the shelf of a supermarket that don't actually contain canola oil or vegetable oil. But you've got to be careful because even some of the ones with the healthy branding and they're a bit more expensive and you think, oh, this bread must be healthier because branding and marketing is so fucking effective. And then you flip it over and you're like, wait, it's got the same ingredients. <laughs> And I know that's a fact. So make sure you are checking your ingredient lists. So number one is bread. Number two, mayonnaise. How often do you buy mayo? Whenever I hear a mayo, I just think of the USA, to be totally honest. But I know plenty of people buy it here. And guess what? Remember what I said about the ingredients before? Ingredient number one is the main ingredient in the food. All right, let's count how many ingredients are there before we get to the vegetable oil. All right, ingredient one, vegetable oil. <laughs> Legitimately, ingredient one is vegetable oil, which is crazy, right? And the truth is that there are healthier options for mayo, but mayo is like it's mainly vegetable oil. So you need to get that shit out of your life. Like, absolutely. There's a company that I've tried to partner with that don't really want to hang out with me for whatever reason. Maybe I'm a bit too controversial, but there's a company called Jevity RX. They're an Australian bone broth company and they do a superb version of mayo. Probably the healthiest mayo on the planet, quite legitimately. It's called Great Guts Mayo. I'm not a huge mayo person, so it's never been a thing really in my life, but I've definitely tried the Great Guts Mayo and I know a bunch of people that use it regularly with their kids, with their husbands, with their families, and they actually don't know the difference, which is pretty impressive, right? So mayonnaise. Vegetable oil is the first ingredient and that's number two on the list of shit we need to get out of your diet. Number three is crackers. Many people associate crackers, you know, plain crackers as a good thing to eat when you're sick because there's not much flavor and, you know, take cheese and crackers to work as a snack or people even try to have really low calorie lunches by just saying, oh, I'll just have some like cheese and tomato on crackers, you know, and sure, that's the thing. You know, it's not ideal. Because again, crackers, refined wheat, refined grains, and they're going to spike your blood sugar and probably lead to hunger. But guess what? They also got vegetable oil in them. Let's count the ingredient number. You ready? One, two. Oh, (laughs) it's ingredient number two. Ingredient number two. And look, to be honest, there's not many ingredients in the ones that I'm looking at right now. One, two, three, four. So there's four ingredients and vegetable oil is ingredient number two majorly concerning. It's also important that I mention that this extends not just to crackers, but basically the simplest form of cracker. I'm looking at an original cracker, but this usually will extend to cookies and biscuits. And I guess the question to haven't answered yet 
is why. Why do we use vegetable oils in these foods? And it's often to preserve them. It gives them a much longer shelf life because remember, they're highly oxidized. So that means that they can protect the food and then the oil itself will oxidize with the air around it rather than making the food go stale or moldy, right? That's why some of these foods can last on a shelf for years because the vegetable oil concentration just keeps them you know, so protected from damage, which sounds like a good thing for food preservation. Sure, but it's not good for putting it in your body. So it doesn't matter how long you preserve it for to eat. It's still not good to put in your system. So this definitely extends not just crackers, but cookies and biscuits and anything you'll find in that aisle of the supermarket. All right, the next one is potato chips. All right, let's have a look. Let's go scroll down. So in this particular bag that I'm looking at, only three ingredients. So that's pretty good. But remember, a lot of the dietitians and nutritionists out there will advise you to go for a low ingredient number food. And this is definitely a low ingredient number food, just as the crackers were. However, those ingredients, you know, want to give you an uppercut to the liver. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't take that approach with these because let's count out of the three. Where is vegetable oil? One, two. It's ingredient number two. Potatoes is number one. So that's a good thing. And then salt is number three. But sunflower oil is the particular oil in these ones. So another thing to get rid of out of your diet, chips and anything in the chip aisle altogether. Okay, the next one, which many people buy for their kids or they buy when they're on the go, they buy a heap of them to throw in the freezer so that they've got a quick meal to chuck in the microwave at work. And that is pasties. And this is in the category of pies, pasties, and sausage rolls. You know, it's really easy to buy a box of those frozen or even the individually wrapped ones so that you can just go to work and chuck it in the microwave. And I know a lot of blokes do this. You know, it's cheap, at least cheaper than going to the service station and buying it already cooked and hot. And it's just really easy. And this is, this is something I've done in the past. I used to do this when I was really early in my scientific career. And even before that, just going to work as a UD student, as a teenager, you know, I didn't have any money and I wasn't from a super rich family. So on my breaks, I would go strategically. And I say strategically from an economic perspective, I would walk. So my first ever job, right, was at the reject shop. Surprise, Maddie's a big reject. But I used to walk from the reject shop round to Woolworths. And back in those days, it was called Safeway. And I would buy a frozen home brand pie. I might even buy two of them because they were like 79 cents at the time. Then I'd go back to work and I'd put them in the microwave for like 10 minutes then I'd smash two or three pies. You know, it was amazing. And it was a good way to save money. So I share this one nostalgically, let's say, but now I know that they're just not good, right? So, all right, let's go for this pasty, this beef pasty that we're looking at here. So this one has a long ingredient list. There's lots of stuff in this that I would recommend avoiding. But the first ingredient that we run into that we should ideally avoid is, well, the first one, to be honest, but let's find the vegetable oil. That's why we're here. Vegetable oil on this giant ingredient list is ingredient number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, number eight. And I haven't counted them all, but I suspect there is about 20 ingredients on this list. So this you should avoid this for two reasons. One, there's vegetable oil in it. And two, it's a giant ingredient list of lots of vague words like natural flavors, natural color, terrifying. So we need to get rid of pasties, pies, you know, all of that frozen kind of lunchy stuff that you can just bung in the microwave and smash quite easily. And then most people are going to put, you know, sugar ridden sauce on top of it as well. So we need to get rid of these out of the diet. Even though 15 year old Maddie at the reject shop is loving eating pasties and pies. 
All right, the next one on the list, staying in the frozen section of the supermarket, is potato gems. So we're looking at potato gems. So this is another one that has a very low ingredient number. So you could argue that's a good thing. However, ingredient number two is canola oil. Potatoes is number one, which it says here is 91% of the ingredients. You know, that's something. But it's still got canola oil in it because they're already partially cooked usually. So they've been baked or fried already a little bit and put in the freezer. And obviously the canola oil helps protect the food, but also it allows food to be more presentable. You know, when we put oil on food, it's shiny and it's sparkly and it looks enticing. Canola oil is ingredient number two on this list. So we want to get potato gems. And this extends to, you know, your super fries, your potato gems, your actual just potatoes in a frozen bag. It extends to all of those things. I mean, obviously, I can't speak for every brand. You know, there's different brands that have different cooking strategies and manufacture processes and ingredient lists. So always, if you're looking at brands, different brands, check the list, right? Make sure that you're able to identify that, oh, Actually, this one's not too bad. It doesn't have vegetable oil in it or any of the other stuff that you might find in this crap. But do your own due diligence at Get Ingredient Literate because without doing that, you're not really in the driver's seat of being able to figure out the health of you and your family. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Okay, what's next on the list? Sausages and burgers. And it might be a little bit shocking to have this on the list because you might think, why have they got vegetable oil in them? Surely we go home and add the oil in the pan or on the tray or on the barbecue to cook them. How have they already got oil in them? And again, make sure that you're looking at the ingredient lists. The prepared sausages and burgers and skewers, particularly the ones that have got flavoring in them, have an array of ingredients that should be of concern to some degree. And I guess when I say of concern, what I mean is that people that care about their health, (laughs) that care about what they're putting into their digestive tract. Now, this one has a semi-long list of ingredients and canola oil appears... One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh ingredient. So sure, it's not close to the front. That's a good thing. It means we're dealing with a much lower percentage of it, much lower volume of it, but it's still there. It's still there, right? It's kind of like, can I have a little bit of heroin? 
maybe not. <laughs> I don't know if you're a heroin moderator or not, or if they have heroin moderators out there, but really we should be vegetable oil abstainers in order for our health to be optimal. So sausages have these in them, burgers have these in them, skewers have these in them, all meat in a package that's got some kind of flavor should be investigated or is more than just the single ingredient. Obviously, a cold chicken in the supermarket should just be one ingredient, should just be chicken, right? But you've got to read the labels and be really careful because it's super easy to be lulled into the idea that you're buying something healthy and amazing. And speaking of sausages, as you do, funny that I mentioned Kayla a little bit earlier because recently we were both in a butcher together and we were, ironically, this butcher's coincidentally is also called Matthews. So I feel, you know, a sense of resonance when I go there. (laughs) And the, the guy that runs, it's an absolute legend, totally on board with, you know, everything that we're about. And so that means that the meat that he serves up and cuts up and delivers to us is fantastic. And so we're in there the other day and we were looking at some of the sausages, which sounded delicious. And Kayla asked him and said, what do you have inside of them? What's really in there? And he laughed and kind of threw his head back and said, no, we have real sausages. It's just 100% meat. And it was so nice to be there. So sausages and burgers from a supermarket should are concerning and the thing that you should do is go to a butcher and not just buy from a butcher and trust them blindly you should talk to them and understand where they get their meat from how they think about health and food and farming and agriculture and learn and find out is your butcher on board with the way that you want to do food because hopefully like matthews not too far from me you know he does food the way that i want food to be done and thinks very similar way and he was such a legend it was a funny little conversation because kayla turned to me and we looked at each other and we're like just no words were spoken we just looked at each other like this is our guy (laughs) it was great anyway number eight is next now this one might not surprise you all right this is probably not going to blow the lid off your mind but it is chocolate A lot of the chocolate in the chocolate aisle has vegetable oil in it. And remember, when they use the word vegetable oil, we don't actually know which oil. Is it canola oil? Is it grapeseed oil? Is it safflower oil? Sometimes it's a mixture of multiple oils. And so the vegetable oil title legally covers them to be able to use anything that is legally classified as a vegetable oil. So it could be a bit of cottonseed, a bit of canola, a bit of, you know, a bit of everything. How can we ruin your life in three ways kind of thing? So we've got chocolate, you know, a moderate number of ingredients in it. And the vegetable oil appears at one, two, three, four, five. Ingredient number six of 12 ingredients, right? So it's in the middle. Again, not bad in the context of where it's placed in the list, but I shouldn't have to say that sugar, glucose syrup, high fructose corn syrup, all that kind of stuff, along with the vegetable oil, all of that makes chocolate terrible for you and the natural flavors and the natural extracts and all of that kind of stuff. There's so many reasons to not have chocolate or at least not the chocolate that appears in the main chocolate aisle of the supermarket. You know, there are some healthier alternatives I would recommend that might appear in the health aisle. Tastes different, very different. But yeah, we need to obviously avoid that aisle altogether. It's usually got the chips and the crisps and the crackers and the corn chips and the chocolate and the lollies that are supposedly from natural companies. That's bullshit. And so we need to steer clear from that whole aisle, right? Ideally, these are sometimes maybe foods, not weekly. 
All right, and the next one we've got on the list is... I put this on the list, but I haven't actually been able to find it in a supermarket. And that's because some of the laws around the world have changed. And number nine, which might surprise you, is actually soda, so soft drink. And I put this on the list because in the past, vegetable oils have been there as part of their flavoring, but particularly a vegetable oil that's referred to as brominated vegetable oil, or it's listed as BVO. And what brominated vegetable oil is used for or has been used in the past soft drinks and sodas is to be able to keep certain ingredients together because a lot of these ingredients that we put into foods aren't meant to go together. And that's why we have to use a thing called an emulsifier. An emulsifier connects things that are a little bit hydrophobic and a little bit hydrophilic that don't go together like oil and water. The emulsifier is the thing in the middle that joins them. So for instance, your the detergent that goes into your washing liquid in the sink is an emulsifier, right? It connects the water with the oily shit that's on the food. So the reason that I share this is because, well, BVO is actually can possibly, I don't necessarily have evidence of this, but can possibly be hidden. So brominated vegetable oil can be a hidden ingredient in soda and soft drink under the title of emulsifier because you've probably read the word emulsifier on many foods, many drinks, right? That there's emulsifiers in it. And this brominated vegetable oil is could be listed under there. Like I said, I don't know, but it's possible. And there's lots of things that the food industry use and the marketing industry come together and say, hey, can we use this word to, and hide this underneath it or use this product because it's misleading and we don't know the truth. And, you know, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good. So, and why should you be concerned about brominated vegetable oil? So this is a variation of vegetable oil. Is The side effects include headaches, fatigue, memory loss, impaired development, and alterations in heart, liver, and thyroid function. Tests on rats and mice show that they had significant damage to their reproductive or organs and process. There's just a lot. And BVO was absolutely publicly in soft drinks in the past. And now some laws have changed and it seems to not be around as much anymore. And I couldn't find it in an Australian supermarket. And it is banned in many countries as well. However, in the ingredient labels, I did find emulsifiers. And so I'm just acknowledging that it's possible that brominated vegetable oil is still used underneath that title. And so that was number nine. I think because that one doesn't have a great deal of evidence of being true at the moment, could be, not sure. I'm going to give you a 10th one so that you've got nine that are totally real and relevant in this day and age today right now is number 10 that I want to give to you. And this might suck for some people is tuna, canned tuna, right? So a lot of people buy canned tuna to have on their crackers, to have at work or to just eat straight out of the tin, hoping that, you know, that's a healthy alternative because it's a protein, it's a meat and tunas, you know, you have tuna salads and they're amazing. And you might get this to add to your tuna salad and feel like you're doing a really healthy thing. And for the most part, you are. Like if we compare, chocolate has about 90% of the ingredients you don't want in your body, right? Whereas canned tuna, at least some of it's actually tuna, (laughs) you know, this is still a better choice than chocolate. However, of the one, two, three, four ingredients, vegetable oil is number two. Here on this particular product, it says that it makes up 21% of this entire food. I would say that's pretty significant. And when you eat it, sure, there's a bit of oil that drains out of the can afterwards, but you would have eaten lots of it and the tuna would have soaked it up as well. So you want to make sure that you're going for canned tuna that is in salt water or olive oil and ideally cold pressed olive oil. You want to make sure that the olive oil hasn't been heated in the process because otherwise it's just damaged olive oil that leaves you susceptible to an even higher omega-6 consumption, which is not what we want. And also for our practitioners out there or our hardcore nutrition and toxicity nerds, yes, there are some concerns about 
sodium concentration in packaged food and canned foods. And also there's some concerns about the lining of the can and the toxins that are involved and some of the things that can leach into the food. It's a conversation for another day, but just yet another reason to move towards whole real food, right? So this 10 foods, believe it or not, are things that you need to get out of your diet. You need to get them off the shopping list. So let's recap. We've got bread. We've got mayo. We've got crackers and we're extending that to cookies and biscuits. We've got potato chips. We've got pastries and we're extending that to pies, sausage rolls and danishes and croissants and all that kind of stuff. We've got number six, which is frozen potato products, right? Chips, fries, potato gems, actual potatoes in a frozen bag. Like we need to be really concerned about the vegetable oil that's, that they're partially baked or fried with. Number seven, sausages and burgers, particularly the flavored stuff. And remember to check both your butcher ingredients and your supermarket ingredients before you go ahead. And number eight is chocolate. So chocolate, we want to get that off the shopping list. Number nine is soda. However, unconfirmed, unconfirmed with the BVO. Number 10 is canned tuna in oil, obviously. So we want to start removing these things from our diet. And I want to remind you as well, if you want a deeper dive on why getting these out of the diet is a good idea and why these damaged molecules that shouldn't be consumed by the human body, I'd really encourage you to check out episode 164 because I think that episode is going to paint a very clear picture as to why these things are concerning for the body. And I would actually argue that this is more concerning than sugar. Because many of the things that I listed today, many of the 10 foods that I recommended that you remove today actually don't have sugar in them, right? However, the products that have sugar in them also have vegetable oil, which we discovered with the chocolate, right? So you've got a world where we know sugar is not ideal and we should avoid it. But even in the healthier products or the somewhat natural products or the somewhat real food products, they don't have sugar in them, which is great, but they've got vegetable oil. So it's like sugar's in half the food in the supermarket or probably 80% of the food in the supermarket. Vegetable oil is in like 99% of the foods in the supermarket, right? And that's an arbitrary number. I'm just giving you an example that... Down the health aisle, you'll find low sugar or no sugar, but you'll still find vegetable oil in a lot of the health products, right? So that's one of the reasons that I think vegetable oil is more concerning because one, people cook their healthy food in it at home, so stop doing that. And I give recommendations as to what oils to cook with on episode 164, but vegetable oils appear in everything. So we need to start being ingredient diligent. I don't think you need to become a scientist to read labels. There's just a couple of major ingredients that you need to know to avoid, and they appear in basically everything. So you can avoid them (laughs) unless you have specific issues. And I think too, for children that avoiding food colorings that have numbers on the back of the form and companies that create lollies and chocolates and sweets that are sold and marketed as natural or preservative free. I think that stuff should be avoided for kids. I think that's going to mess up with their head, their development, their focus, their productivity, their emotional regulation. And that's a whole conversation for another day. But anyway, I hope that you can, you've learned something today and that you're going to remove these foods and you're going to find a butcher like the butcher that I've got around the corner. And I hope that your shopping list is going to look a little better. And yes, there are healthy alternatives to all these things. Just eat real food. You know the deal. Jerf. And the other thing is one tweak a week, right? You can't remove all of these at once. You might feel like you're in no man's land with food. You might be like, well, what are we going to eat then, Maddie? <laughs> How's the, how am I going to feed the family? You know, you've got to do this stuff over time. 
takes years to convert your husband and your kids to where you want them to be with food. Anyway, I thank you for being here and listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode and you know someone or the partner that needs to hear this so that they can get on board with changing the shopping list and avoiding some of these foods, then please share this episode with them. Take a screenshot, put it up in your story on any of the social media platforms. I love to see it. Give me a tag at Maddie Lansdowne and feel free to comment. You can comment on Spotify now underneath each episode. You can comment, you can write a review on Apple Podcast. I would be incredibly grateful for any and all of those things. Give us five stars. All of that helps me be able to continue to create free content by allowing this podcast to grow and get more listens and downloads and popularity. And the more of that we can get, the more guaranteed I will be able to be in this journey of creating these episodes, but also bringing fantastic, amazing guests on. And the bigger that we get the bigger that the guests get, which is pretty cool. Thank you for being here. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.